Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Daniel Markin. And on today's episode, I'm chatting with Matt Smethurst, and he has been a writer for Gospel Coalition for a long time, still is writing, although not full-time. But he and I are going to be chatting through this idea of before you open your Bible, and he wrote a book on this, before you open your Bible, what are some of the heart postures that we need and that can actually really help us as we approach God? Hope you find it helpful. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. Today I'm joined by Matt Smethurst. You might not know who Matt is. Maybe you do. Maybe you've read some of his articles on the Gospel Coalition. But rather than me introducing him, I want Matt, you to introduce yourself. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Yeah, my most important thing about me is, you know, I'm a child of God, married to Megan, father to three wonderful children. And we live in Richmond, Virginia, where Two months ago, we planted a church, River City Baptist Church. And uh, yeah, that's the big thing going on in our lives right now. And it's been super exhilarating. And my guess is quite a shift from what you're doing before, because you were uh, like managing editor, correct, at Gospel Coalition. And that's different from pastoral work. But how, how has that been? How's that transition been? Yeah, so I was serving full time with TGC for 10 years. And I currently am still an editor on a very part-time basis, but yeah, it's been a big shift. And to be honest, um, it it feels in some ways like like a promotion because I always understood our work at TGC to be the supply line serving those on the front lines. And my my understanding then is, you know, as you're supplying the front lines, you've been doing a lot of writing over the years. And one of the questions I always like to ask writers is like, how do you write? Like, are you the type of guy who writes a little bit every day? Or do you like to lock yourself in a cabin for a week and just just get the book, just pump it out? What's your writing process? I'm more of the latter. I wish I were the kind of person that wrote every day, uh, whether or not there was an assignment due. But I'm more the type where, you know, the deadline really helps me. And I work best not in brief 30-minute spurts here or there, but in, you know, a couple of days just completely blocked off uh, to, you know, knock out a chapter or, or something along those lines. I, I enjoy the, the process. I enjoy the, um, the way that, that writing forces me to be clear. Sometimes I have to write myself clear. I don't even fully know what I believe about something until I've put pen to paper, as it were, and crystallized my thinking. But yeah, it's it's something that's a real honor to get to do in articles and, and now books. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the things that is, is, I think, the best part about reading a book, right? Because we can, we can read articles, and those are actually really helpful. But one of the things that I really, is when you get to a good book, you, you have this sense of like the author has taking the time, like you said, to edit that down, to like really craft and carefully say what they are truly thinking and truly believing. But like they've concentrated the thoughts and now you're getting like the most clear, concise, thought out 
piece. And that to me is so helpful when you're trying to consume information, being like, oh, someone took the time to think this through. Now I can begin to consume it. So uh, I want to talk about your book. You, you have many books, but one of them, which is really interesting and something that not a lot of believers, I think, consider. Uh, your book is called Before You Open Your Bible. Talk us through, as you think about this, like why this book? And then let's just begin to tease out some of the points of this book. Yeah, well, why this book? That's actually the easiest question to answer because if, uh, you know, I know myself and I know how sluggish spiritually my own heart can become cold and indifferent to the things of God and to the word of God, despite my my theology, which you know knows better, I can can just so often prioritize other things above the word of God. And so there are a lot of helpful resources out there, Daniel, as I'm sure you're aware about how to study the Bible, but a lot of those resources start a little too far downstream for me because I realized that my tendency to neglect the word of God, was not due to an inability to interpret or do exegesis. It's due to a heart problem. And so I wanted to explore this idea of approaching God's Word, almost like um, a prequel to a lot of those other helpful resources. And so I, I reflected in the book on, on what it looks like to approach your Bible, you know, prayerfully, humbly, desperately, studiously, obediently, joyfully, expectantly, communally, and, and kind of the 50 cent word, Christocentrically, which just means centered on Christ. And I think to the degree that we do that, our hearts will be warmed beside the fire of God's word and will be ready not just to understand it, but to apply it and bring God pleasure as a result. I love that. And you know, one of the things I think has been so daunting for a lot of believers is you you pick up the Bible, it's a big book, mm -hmm. and you open it up, you start reading the pages. And a lot of the time, you just, like, we want to know what's going on. And I think we take our cues from, from a lot of sermons or Bible studies, and we think, wow, we have to, like, pull this entire thing apart. And I think even before we start, we're, we're already thinking about that and not thinking about this conversation, this relationship with God himself. And that's what I really appreciate about some of these things is like having a, a heart posture that you are approaching it with, right? It causes you to be like, okay, before I open this up, where am I at with the Lord? And, and give us a little bit, you talk about prayerfully here. What does that look like? Is that just a saying a quick prayer before you open your Bible? Well, saying a quick prayer is better than uh, not approaching it prayerfully at all. And I don't want to imply that in order to you know, become qualified to read God's word, you have to spend X amount of time in prayer. But it's just kind of a, a commonsensical observation. If indeed, this is a personal relationship that we're enjoying with God through Jesus Christ, we need to ask him for help in understanding his own revelation to us. You know, the Bible is God speaking to us, prayer is us speaking to God. So it's, it's a two-way conversation and all we're doing as we prayerfully approach God's word is saying, hey, open my eyes at Psalm 118 to see wonderful things in your law. Help me not to just grow in knowledge, but help me to be transformed by your word and be different as a result. And um, yeah, so I have a chapter in the book that's just kind of unfolding some practical tips for how we can go about praying ourselves up as we approach God's word. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a humble thing to do is humbling yourself before God and, and just seeking him in prayer. And the other piece that you have here is humbly. So what does that look like? How do you humbly, you know, approach the Bible before you open your Bible? By remembering that God didn't owe us a Bible. God could have rightly and justly given us the silent treatment forever because of our sin against him in our first parents, Adam and Eve. He didn't have to speak. And yet he has in generosity, in love, he has disclosed himself. He's forfeited his personal privacy in order to reveal to us things about himself, things about us, how we can know him, how can we honor him and how we can enjoy him and live the life for which we were made. And this is this is so important to remember when we read the Bible because fundamentally this book is a gift. Your Bible is like an all-access pass into the revealed mind and will of God. And it's more exhilarating than any other book we own because it's the only book in which the central character loves us back. Yeah. But let me ask you this. I'll hear from people all the time. They'll be like, you know, I, I communicate better with God when I'm walking through a forest. Like I, you know, I do better with God when I'm, you know, in nature or I, I listen to sermons or I listen to worship music. You know, I don't really read my Bible very much. What would you say to someone like that? I would say that that is similar to saying that that you commune best with your significant other by just looking at pictures of them or remembering fond memories with them, but never actually listening when they're talking to you. The Bible is God speaking to us. And so there is nothing wrong with communing with God in other ways and in other environments. Uh, One book that I would really commend to your listeners is Brett McCracken's The Wisdom Pyramid. And he talks about the, the place of nature, for example, in one's walk with Christ. And yet, fundamentally, the the foundation of it all is what God has told us about himself in his word. Otherwise, we're going to be walking through that forest. We're going to be, you know, alone on that spiritual retreat. And we are going to be pursuing an idea of God by making an in-run around the words of God. And that's never a wise thing to do. Mm-hmm. One of the other pieces that you add here is desperately. What does that look like to, to read your, you know, before you open your Bible, to approach God desperately? This has to do with the recognition that we will starve spiritually. Our souls will wither up if we are not feeding ourselves on the life-giving word of God. I mean, even even Jesus Christ combated the devil in the wilderness with the word of God and quoted Deuteronomy, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Uh, How dare we give ourselves a promotion and assume that we, you know, Jesus needed it, but we don't. We need to approach God's word in accordance, not just with what it is, which I've already referred to, but also in light of who we are and how much we need um, that life-giving word. And, and an analogy I use in the, in the book is, is how sometimes you know we can ruin our appetite for an epic dinner because we've been snacking all day. And it should be no surprise to us that w- when we've been nibbling from the table of the world throughout the day through words and screens and images and 
fascinating trivia and, and just all the things that aren't necessarily bad, but just can crowd out our attention and, and, and dominate our affections. It shouldn't be a surprise that if we've been, you know, eating cheese puffs all day, that we won't have an appetite left for the word of God. And so, yeah, this is, this is something that I, I struggle with admittedly, but I want to approach the Bible as someone who is starving and hungry to hear from God. You know, I, I appreciate that, uh, that side of it, because one thing I notice about Jesus is he does approach God when he's desperate, you know, in moments. So you think about the garden, but then think about even in the good moments, he still recognizes his need, even like it seems like things are going really well. And that to him is like, I still desperately need to go to the father to speak with him. And I think that's a, a point that often we miss. And, and just even the rhythm in my life and maybe your life, it's like things are going better and we feel less inclined to go to God. And, and so for me, that one desperately is like, no, 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 God is the one who is sustaining me at all times. It's only by his spirit that I'm, I'm being sustained and he holds all things together. And so I really like that desperation that you're talking about there. Another one you have is studiously. What does that look like? That sounds like being a student, but then that also sounds like a little bit intimidating. How do you approach that? Yeah, well, this is admittedly uh, one that is counterintuitive, I, I would say, in, in modern day evangelical circles. Um, and, you know, my journey here kind of began in college when I was reading Psalm 111, and I was startled by a word in verse two, great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. It's just not the word I would have expected or if I'm honest, maybe even wanted. I mean, I would expect to read greater the works of the Lord celebrated by all who delight in them, but studied which made me think, yeah, when it comes to Christianity, maybe class is in session. Maybe, maybe we are meant to honor God by actually knowing who it is we're honoring. So for example, if I were to start raving to you, Daniel, about my wife and tearing up and, and just gushing about her, you and your listeners might think, wow, he, he sounds like a good husband. He, he's crazy about this girl. And, I, and I'm talking to you about, she's the most incredible girl I've ever known. She's from Oregon. She has gorgeous red hair. She hates chocolate. Well, would my actual chocolate loving <laughs> brunette wife from Virginia be honored by that description? No, she, she would be insulted by that description because it's false, even though I was saying it with great emotion. And I think a lot of times we can base our Christianity so much in our feelings about God rather than the truth about who he's revealed himself to be. So when I say we need to approach our Bible studiously, I mean, we need to dive deep into theology, not for the sake of becoming smarter or feeling better about ourselves, but for the sake of stoking our worship and deepening our love and fueling our mission and sustaining our life. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you, as you study, you begin to plumb the depths of God and, and begin to, and like every layer that you keep going down, there's a deeper and deeper like awe that comes of that. And that's been one of the things that I love about Christianity is there's deeply satisfying answers for everyone, for people who are very simple 
and wouldn't call themselves intellectuals, not academics. There's deeply satisfying answers found in the scriptures of how God communicates and, and, and walks with them. And then to those who are like very intellectual, there are deeply satisfying answers in the scriptures to that. Like I think about the disciples, right? You have a bunch of outback kind of guys, you know, not from the city center. So you just think country folk, right? But then you get Paul who's, he's so studied and God uses both. He communicates to both because Paul is going now to the city center, reasoning with the academics in the temples. There are deeply satisfying answers to all who would look to find it. And that comes through study. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll just add one thing. Like the Bible, it is it is an ancient book. It's a foreign book in some ways. It's a complex book. But fundamentally, it's a simple book. It, it's not esoteric. So the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, which was not the language of the academy and of the scholars. It was the, the language of the street at the time. And you know, it's been said that, that the Bible is shallow enough for a, a child to wade in, but deep enough for an elephant to swim. To your point. And, and when we approach the Bible studiously, you know, it's like the difference between raking leaves and digging. Like when you rake, you're just going to find leaves. But when you dig, that's when you have the chance to find diamonds. And as we dig into the word of God, we, we will unearth treasures therein. That's so good. So then as we dig and we find, you know, the, the treasures of God, that's going to call us towards something. And one of those is obedience. So you talk a little bit about preparing yourself obediently. What does that look like as you begin to open the Bible? Well, that's coming to the Bible, understanding that we are not hearing from a cosmic buddy or a world-class psychotherapist uh, or Santa Claus in the sky, but that we are hearing from the risen and reigning Lord and King of the universe. And so we ought to have an appropriate reverence in the way that we approach his words understanding that he knows what's best for us, even if we uh, don't always immediately see or feel that. Mm -hmm. And that leads to joy. And you talk a little bit about that here with like approaching it joyfully. And that's something that is, is so interesting is the Christian life is, is meant to be joyful. And especially as you're walking now with the creator in the way that he has designed life to be in relationship with him, that should actually be a good time, should be enjoyable. I'd love to hear a little bit about your perspective on that, about how to you not be not feel daunted when you read the Bible, but be like, hey, this is this can be fun. I, I well, I totally agree with you that uh, in fact, when I got up to preach, we have a new church plan, and I was just reminding everyone like, hey, this is such a privilege to get to have access to God's word in our own heart language, to be able to gather without fear of who might report us to the authorities, like, there should be something about this that is, of course, serious and solemn, but we also should have a ton of fun. I mean, we get to be Christians. We get to hear from the God of the universe. Having said that, Daniel, I would want to guard anyone who listens to this and thinks that fun is a prerequisite or a condition that they can put on God and his word. Sometimes it's not going to be fun. Just like eating healthy food or exercising, sometimes it's going to feel like a slog but it is the nature of discipline to give way to delight. So, so give yourself to it and trust that. Uh, and, and I'll even say a word about, about church. I understand that things with the pandemic are in different places in different parts of the world. But if 
you're in a place where your church is regathering and you have yet to get back into the rhythm and the habit of gathering every single week with your church, my advice to you would be get your body there and let your heart catch up. Don't wait until you wake up on a Sunday morning and just really feel like going to church until you go. Get your body there and trust that that discipline will give way to the old delight. That's so good. Let the the heart catch up. Um, What do you mean when you say approach the Bible expectantly? Again, that's a function of knowing and respecting the author. So if if the author is indeed the omnipotent, all-powerful Lord of history, well, then we should approach his word expectantly that when we read it and encounter him in the pages of his word, that he will accomplish more than we could ask or imagine, that he can not only give us information, but that he can work the miracle of transformation. And in this chapter in the book, I I just share a couple of anecdotes, one from history and I think Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation, and then another from my own experience serving as a missionary overseas in a really uh, just soul-stirring, invigorating experience that I had seeing God work in the life of someone else. Mm-hmm. And as you talk about someone else, one of the other things here is approaching the Bible communally. And uh, sometimes, you know, that often doesn't happen if we're doing a personal reading, but an essential aspect, I think, of the Christian life is community. I don't know if you can, what, what a church father said, you can't have God as your father without the church as your mother. And it's so important to have the church with you because that's, it's about being adopted into a, a new community, into a new family. And you can't just forsake your brothers and sisters. And so talk to us a little bit about communal uh, viewing of God's word and, and, and approach. Yeah. Well, I love how you just got really specific, Daniel, and you didn't just leave it as Christians need community because that is utterly uncontroversial. Every Christian knows and affirms and probably even desires community. What sometimes happens though, is we stop there and we don't press in more specifically to what that community looks like according to the New Testament, which is not just a bunch of Christians throwing the Frisbee or meeting for coffee at Starbucks. It is Christians gathered in little embassies of the kingdom of heaven on planet earth, which are called local churches. And so the, the New Testament has no category for a churchless Christian, a, a Christian who is just a free agent spiritually, but is not being uh, vouched for by a church that is not committed, invested in a church. So I just want to commend to every listener, you will not grow in Christ the way he intends unless you are folded into, incorporated with a local church. And I would say in a formal way, like actually joining the church and Maybe in another podcast one day, I can make that case for why it's not enough just to be a faithful church attender. You actually have to be a member. And that is is what I'm trying to communicate, among other things, in this chapter is that, hey, if you're struggling in your personal Bible reading, lean into your congregation's Bible reading. If you're struggling in your personal prayer life, lean into your congregation's prayer life. Uh, We were not meant to do this alone. And if you're looking for a church, make sure that you are looking for the right thing. Don't just look for the most impressive production, the most entertaining event. You can always find a TED Talk online if if you want to be wowed by someone's 
oratory and humor. You can find a Spotify playlist if you want the, the most impressive music. Find a church that champions the gospel of Jesus Christ, that preaches the Bible chapter by chapter, book by book, and that is crystal clear about how we can be made right with God and how we can honor him in our day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. I've seen a photo, and I think about young adults when I see this photo, it's a, a pack of zebras, and then it's, it's a zebra that's wandered off on its own. And in the distance, you can see there's lions waiting to attack that single zebra. And it's a good image of, I think, how the enemy prepares for us, right? Like in a pack together in community, we're a lot stronger. But if you wait out on your own and you, you think, well, I'm going to do this whole Christianity, spirituality thing on my own, you're just an easy target for the enemy, for the devil. And don't be surprised if you look at your life. It's been years since you've been to church. You feel distant from God. And so much of that is because you forsaked community. You, you said, it's not for me. The church is not for me. And what you've done is you cut yourself off from the very people who can offer you accountability and help in good times and in bad times. Yeah, and quick book recommendation, Mark Dever and Jamie Dunlop have a phenomenal book titled The Compelling Community. I had my whole core team read it before we launched as a church. It's, it's, it's a really helpful read, The Compelling Community. Amazing. Hey, listen, we're, we're coming to our end of our time, but uh, Christocentrically is the last one that you had here. Yeah, this means understanding that when we open the, the Bible, we're not just encountering a bunch of individual stories, but we're ultimately encountering one big story with one ultimate hero. So we, we ought not, and, th- and this goes back to what I just said about what to look for in a church. Don't go to a church where they're just opening the Bible merely to encourage you to dare to be a Daniel or to face down your giants like David. Go to a church where the hero of every sermon is not you and is not any random character in the Bible, but is Jesus Christ on page after page. In the Old Testament, it's about anticipation. The Gospels is about manifestation. Acts is about proclamation. The epistles are about explanation and revelation is about consummation. But your whole Bible, from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, is about Jesus. Go to a church where that is clear and in your own heart as you're reading the Bible. Whether you are in Leviticus or Amos or whatever, look for how this is pointing beyond itself to the good news that is only possible because of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Yeah, man, it's so good. Thank you for your time. Thank you for just talking us through some of these things. And if people want to get, you know, this book, if they want to go deeper into this, you know, what's the best place for them to purchase it or, or grab it? Uh, I think probably Amazon is is the simplest place. Uh, you can also find it on the 10 of those website. And just so folks know, I've just written a follow-up book, kind of a companion volume called Before You Share Your Faith, Five Ways to Be Evangelism Ready. Awesome. Matt, thank you for your time. Thank you for being on the program. And we look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you, Daniel. It's been an honor. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
In Doubt is a ministry that exists to engage young people with biblical truth and provide answers for many of today's questions of life, faith, and culture. Through audio programs, articles, and blogs, In Doubt reaches out to encourage, strengthen, and disciple young adults. To check out all the resources of In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com in the U.S. Or if you're in a position or share a passion for the ministry of young people, you can support the ongoing mission of engaging a new generation with the truth of the Bible. First, you can pray for this ministry. And second, and if you are able, please consider a financial gift by visiting indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com in the U.S. Your gift of any amount is such a blessing and an answer to prayer. Thanks.